0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Luke writes There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. But unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And he told this parable A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, Let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, dear friends, there is no doubt that our Jesus drew a crowd. At the beginning of Luke 12, we are told that a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so many that they were trampling over one another. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? And just like reporters asking questions of a presenter, the crowd asks Jesus all sorts of questions for Jesus to answer or comment on what had transpired. In our gospel reading for today, we are there, where some present sought Jesus' opinion on the Pharisees, Uh, correction, on Pilate sending his soldiers to kill the Galileans while they were offering their sacrifices. And Jesus's response is, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than any other Galilean because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, unless you repent, you too will perish. Jesus then reminds them of the tower collapse in Siloam that killed 18 people, asking, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I think it's natural for us to try and make sense out of tragedy. It's been over 20 years since terrorists took control of four aircraft with two of them flying into the twin towers in new york city in total 2996 people died that day and we could easily hear jesus say those people on those four american airlines those people who were killed in those twin towers were they More guilty than all the others that lived in New York or maybe even live in this nation? Were were they more guilty than us that they deserved to perish on the 11th of September 2001? In his speech to the nation, our American president at the time, George W. Bush, said, Today our nation saw evil the very worst of human nature. Another more recent tragedy was when a gunman entered a Southern Baptist church in Texas during their Sunday worship service, and he killed 26 people who ranged in age from 5 to 72. Another 20 were left injured. And I I don't know what enters the minds of these people that makes them think that it's okay to take the lives of other people. To think that maybe they deserved to die. In all these deaths at the mercy of evil minds, the evil mind of Pilate, the evil mind of the terrorists involved in the collapse of our Twin Towers, the evil mind of this man, Devin Patrick Kelly in Texas, which resulted in the deaths of people who were simply going about their weekly business of worship when they were suddenly and brutally massacred. What could go through their minds? While there are deaths because of the evil intent of others, Jesus, he also refers to the deaths of those killed by accidents, such as this tower collapse. We hear news items like this ourselves, people who seem to just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I wonder how many times that we've been in situations like that, mere death situations that we just kind of slipped under the radar With and and we didn't even realize it. Maybe a, a branch dropped shortly after we walked under it. When we have looked up and noticed power lines and made sure that we kept our machinery clear of them at the last moment. When we've walked away from a mere death experience while others maybe weren't so lucky. Do others die because they were worse sinners than us? What is Jesus' response? I tell you no. But rest assured that unless you are repented, you are turned back to God, that you will die just as they did. Can you imagine how tragic that, that would be to die? without repenting of the sin that holds us captive. The sin which could cause us to perish and be forever removed from the one who has saved us from such sin. You see, there's no returning to this life to try and change our old ways, our habits. Yet our gospel reading for today, it reveals that we have a God who is patient. Jesus, he says, listen, and he goes on to tell his parable. Listen, there was a man who planted a fig tree. Three years passed by and the man is looking forward to the taste of a ripe fig. But he sees that the fig tree still hasn't produced any fruit. So he calls to his gardener, why is this tree still here? It's taking up soil and moisture and everything else. Cut it down right now. Just get rid of it. But the gardener, he, he pleads back to the vineyard owner, leave it alone. Just, let's just give it one more year. He says, I'll, I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, well, good, Fine. But if not then then you can go ahead and cut it down. You see Jesus he's not giving us a lesson in horticulture here. But he's talking about God's judgment on sin. Rather than be impatient to dig up and disperse of a person immediately because they have sinned, God sent Jesus to proclaim love and mercy to this world through his sacrificial, sacrificial love for us. You see, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just as Jesus keeps being patient with us and forgiving us. He gives us another chance to bear the fruit of love and mercy in our own lives. Today, Jesus is telling us to turn away from our sin. To repent or we will perish. The thing is, though, we can't do that on our own. You see, it'd be like that. Fig tree standing up and saying, leave me alone. I can bear fruit next year, I promise. I'll just try harder. In Jesus' story, the tree, it does nothing. The tree is passive. But it's the gardener who puts in the effort to change the fig tree to something that will please the owner. Only then is the tree able to produce fruit. So Jesus says to God, on our behalf, I have died for this person. Don't give up on them yet. Let's give the Holy Spirit time to To dig around at the roots and to to tend to the hearts and the minds of this child of God. Let's give the Holy Spirit time to fertilize the foundation of their existence with the things that will produce the fruits of the Spirit. Let's give them another chance to be repented from their old ways. And to produce the fruit of faith. This is what Jesus does for us. He becomes the fertilizer for us. At the very same time that he is rejected. That he is laughed at. That he is crucified as a criminal. And the entire time he remains steadfast. With his priority of us. Being his focus. On the cross, nails and spears dig into him. His blood was spilt for us to grow, to be nurtured by his tender love and his care, for us to bear the fruit of faith. He is the one who was taken down and buried in that tomb. But he rose again on the third day that we may have life in him. For us, he does everything. Like a gardener with the fig tree, Jesus gives us second chances. Jesus gives us third chances. Jesus gives us 70 times 70 chances and much, much more. It's it's all thanks to God's patient grace in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that is nourishing us, that is nurturing us so that we do produce the fruits that Jesus desires in us. And this is all done for you so that you can be assured that you will not be cut down on the day of judgment, but you will stand safe Secure because of what Jesus has done for you. So how does Jesus end this narrative about the fig tree and the gardener who applied the manure and dug around the tree? Did the tree bear fruit? How did this fruit tree respond to the gardener's careful attention? Well, we're not told. Jesus once again leaves this parable open-ended. And there's good reason for it because it draws us into the story. How have we responded to the generous application of God's grace? How have we responded to the care and love that Jesus has shown for us? When he gave his life on the cross so that we might have new life and new hope. How has God's grace worked in us to the point of bearing good fruit? How have we responded to that one chance after another? to respond to God's word, to be repented, to trust and believe, to bear the fruit of the Christian life. You see, repentance does not mean that we must go and do something to overturn God's wrath and anger. Repetition of prayers and good deeds do not affect God's forgiveness. Though we ought to pray and do good things, These are not the cause of our forgiveness. They are the outcome. Dear saints, repentance is being turned back to God. And that means that we must first comprehend that we have turned away from him. In other words, we have sinned. We have demonstrated our lack of trust. Repentance then becomes sorrow for turning away from God. It is contrition. It is confessing that and knowing that he will forgive. For that promise is certain. And we've already heard it once today. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John one nine. The condition of this forgiveness is not our duty doing. This condition is God. He has promised, and so we must believe. If we lack the faith in God's promise to forgive, repentance becomes mere sociology. We feel guilty, so we try to downplay our guilt with ceremonies or other deeds. And this approach, it's doomed because its only focus is on the self. It's us staring at our own belly buttons, trying to just be better. But true repentance depends upon God alone, God Almighty, who has come from beyond us. And who has promised to forgive sinners just like you and me. While we still have life in this world. We have time. Time not to worry about the reports of what's going on around us. And speculating how Jesus might respond to that crisis or this one. But time to respond to your relationship with Christ. After all, he's the one that gives you life. Jesus forgives you. Jesus loves you. And may this give you peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.